they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. So welcome here. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Thursday, August the 6th, 2020. And August the 6th, I hope you all remember, is the Feast of the Transfiguration. It is a feast day in the Catholic Church. Um, great day to pray and to um, give glory to the Lord. Every day is a great day to pray and give glory to the Lord. But this is a special feast day in the church. And I want to do a little more than just the gospel of the day because it is a feast day. And the readings are so beautiful. The first reading is from Daniel 7, 9 through 10 and 13 through 14. And Daniel writes, As I watched, thrones were set up, and the Ancient One took his throne. His clothing was bright as snow, and the hair on his head was as white as wool. His throne was flames of fire, with wheels of burning fire. A surging stream of fire flowed out from where he sat. Thousands upon thousands were ministering to him, and myriads upon myriads attended him. The court was convened, and the books were opened. As the vision during the night continued, I saw one like a son of man, coming on the clouds of heaven. When he reached the ancient one and was presented before him, the one like a son of man received dominion, glory, and kingship. All peoples, nations, and languages serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion and shall not be taken away. His kingship shall not be destroyed. And the psalm is um, Psalm 97. It's not the whole psalm. But um, the Lord is king, let the earth rejoice, let the many islands be glad. Cloud and darkness are round about him. Justice and judgment are the foundation of his throne. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his justice, and all people see his glory, because you, O Lord, are the most high over all the earth, exalted far above the gods. The second reading for the Feast of the Transfiguration is from the letter of Peter. This is the second letter of Peter, chapter 1, verses 16 through 19. And Peter writes, Beloved, we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the unique declaration came to him from the majestic glory. This is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. Moreover, we, we possess the prophetic message that is all together reliable you will do well to be attentive to it as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart the word of the lord now the gospel for this year because it's year a will be from matthew 17 1 through 9 and the account of the transfiguration is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Each one of them has an, an account. Matthew writes, Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. 
and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what do we have here? First, we have Daniel, and Daniel's having this vision, and he sees God in heaven. And then he sees this one like a son of man coming on the clouds of glory. And what does he receive? He receives dominion, glory, and kingship. All peoples, nations, and languages serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not be taken away. His kingship shall not be destroyed. So in the book of Daniel, and remember, when the church brings these readings together, for a feast day, they're carefully chosen. So the church is saying to us, this particular passage in Daniel tells us much about this feast. Jesus is this son of man who receives dominion, glory, and kingship. And his kingship will be an everlasting kingship that shall not be taken away. So Daniel saw this vision before Christ came. And then we have the letter of Peter. And Peter's telling us something here. You know, some people like to say, well, you know, the apostles, there was a little bit of hysteria. They kind of made stories up. There was this, that, and the other thing. And what does Peter say? It was not by means of cleverly concocted myths. No, it wasn't a cleverly concocted myth. They were eyewitnesses of his glory. They saw the glory of Jesus Christ. His divine sonship shining through his human nature. Now, it was probably more of a miracle that he walked around Galilee and, and uh, Judea not showing forth this glory than it was a miracle for him to show it forth. He let it shine through. And why? He let, he's preparing them, we will find out, for the scandal of the cross. He had, in, in chapter 16 he had, uh, of Matthew's gospel, he had made the prediction of his, his um, crucifixion. And then in chapter 17 he has, and he says that there, there are some standing here who will not see death until they have seen the Lord come in glory. Peter, James, and John. They saw the Lord come in glory on the mountain with Moses and Elijah. And there's a lot of parallels here between Old Testament passages and New Testament passage. This passage and then Moses going up on Mount, Mount um, Sinai and Elijah going up on Mount Sinai. Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. So here we are. 
And again, the Catechism of the Catholic Church is instructive. The church, if you want to understand more deeply what the church teaches about Scripture, now she hasn't dogmatically defined every verse in Scripture. She's not going to um, because the Scripture speaks to us on many levels. But she does explain to us many of the things that Scripture is trying to convey. And what happens here, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 554, the Church tells us that from the day Peter confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Master began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and be killed and on the third day be raised. Peter scorns this prediction, nor do the others understand it any better than he. In this context, the mysterious episode of Jesus' transfiguration takes place on a high mountain before three witnesses chosen by himself, Peter, James, and John. Jesus' face and clothes become dazzling with light, and Moses and Elijah appear speaking of his departure, which he has to accomplish at Jerusalem. A cloud covers him, and the voice from heaven says, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. So Peter's telling us in his letter, it, it's not cleverly concocted myths. We really truly are eyewitnesses. And it's interesting. You know, if you make up a story, um, unless there's something wrong in your mind and you begin to believe that what you're making up is true, you won't go to your death to defend your story. And usually even if a person is making stuff up and they begin to believe it's true, if it comes to a life and death choice, they're not going to choose to die for something that's eh, not quite sure if it's true. The apostles died to give witness to this. They really saw the glory of the Lord. Remember in the Old Testament when Moses goes up on Mount Sinai and he speaks to the Lord and he comes back down and the people of, of Israel are afraid of him. Why? Because after speaking to the Lord, his face is glowing. So he had to cover his face with a veil. And whenever he would go into the tabernacle and speak to the Lord in the meeting tent, this would happen. And he would come out and he would tell the people what the Lord said. And then he'd have to cover his face because the glory of the Lord would shine through him. Now, that was Moses. Moses was his servant. What about the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God? He's the second person of the Blessed Trinity, the Son of God, who became man the Son of Man. And that's, you know, this idea of Jesus as the Son of Man. We get this. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy in Daniel, that Jesus is the Son of Man. That doesn't mean that's the only interpretation, but that's, you know, on, on, the, on, a, on a very primary level, he is the fulfillment of this prophecy. And Jesus is the one who's been given the glory and the kingship. And that's what this feast of the transfiguration, transfiguration is about. It's about the glory of the Lord shining through the Lord Jesus Christ, shining through his humanity. Okay, so in the gospel, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. He leads them up on a mountain. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And so the, the law and the prophets are there, Moses and Elijah. And we'll finish this commentary on the gospel after the break. I want to thank you all for listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio for supporting us with your donations, your prayers, and your sacrifices. I remind you all that I do still have Bible study on Tuesday evenings at the chapel at 7 p.m. You're welcome to come if you're local. 
And tell your friends about Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful and encourage them to listen if they want a Bible study. Be right back. Welcome, Daniel. You're on the line. What's on your mind, brother? Hi, I just wanted to share a testimony about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I had a buddy at work who, you know, he's a lukewarm Catholic guy, and I wanted him to start listening to the Terry and Jesse show, so I kept telling him to download the app, and he kept putting me off. So one day, I grabbed his phone, and I downloaded the app <laughs> for him. I went on vacation, and, you know, I kept telling him to listen to it. He was kind of put me off. I came back from vacation. He comes to my cubicle, and he says to me, Hey, man, I've been listening to Terry and Jesse's show, and it's great. And it's uh, made a big impact in his life. The guy, he's going to weekly adoration a couple times a wow. week. He goes to the Mass in the morning. Mm -hmm. uh, he's an on-fire Catholic, and he promotes the Terry and Jesse show on the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Daniel, what a testimony. And I want to encourage our listeners to get those cards by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and uh, do what Daniel's doing. Go out and spread the faith by inviting people to listen to Virgin Most Powerful. Daniel, thanks for your testimony, brother. God love you. You're welcome. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we come to understand. According to St. Augustine, understanding is the reward of faith. Therefore, seek not to understand that you may believe, but believe that you may understand. May God grant us a strong living faith in Him and His divine plan of salvation and help us to believe so that we may understand. or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, thank you, Matthew, for bringing us back. And actually, um, Terry's not with me in the studio today. Um, he, we kind of divide and conquer. When there's lots of things to be done, sometimes we have to, he has to do one thing, I have to do another. And that's, that's wonderful. We, we try and work together. We really do. So we're here on the Feast of the Transfiguration, August 6th, Thursday, and um, we, we're glad you're listening to Bibles with the Barbers. Again, tell your family and friends to tune in. If they want a Bible study every week and they can't make it to the Tuesday night Bible study at the chapel at 7 p.m., tell them to tune in to Bible with the Barbers. And I do take breaks um, from the Tuesday night Bible study. I, I have, you know, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I have family, and now, of course, we have our grandson who takes up a lot of our time, which is wonderful. We are so grateful to God. Children are a gift from the Lord, a blessing, the fruit of the womb. And, and it's so beautiful to look into the face of a little child and, and kind of look at the world from their perspective. It just is amazing. It, it gives you joy and, and brings such beauty and, and hope to the world. 
So we're talking about the transfiguration, and we, we went through the first two readings from uh, the book of Daniel and Second Peter 1, 16 through 19. And then this year, year A, we should have the Gospel of Matthew, where um, Jesus goes up and, and, you know, there's, there's much there in that, that book, that, that, whole, that whole transfiguration scene. Of course, Jesus chooses Peter, James, and John. Those are the three he will take with him into the garden when he goes into his agony. This, this seeing him in his glory was to help to prepare them for the scandal of the cross, to be able to persevere through that trial. So we need to ask for the grace to persevere through our trials. God gives us the grace. He wants to give us grace. We need to ask, say, Lord, whatever trials are coming, I don't know. And, and of course, we live in very trying times right now. Um, be ready. Be ready for whatever trials are coming. And, and uh, so beautifully, a priest recently said, he said, you know, we can ask the Lord to take the cup away from us when we're suffering. You know, Jesus said in the garden, Lord, if it's possible that this chalice pass me by, but not my will, but thine be done. But he said, you know, when you ask that prayer, in the meantime, say, Lord, but if, if, if you have a good you want to bring about through this suffering for myself, for my family, for the church, for the world, then help me to offer this suffering in a manner that will bring glory to you, that will help build up your kingdom and will be according to your will. So we want to do these things. And, and this is what the, you know, Jesus is trying to do is by these, these little snippets of glory, these little um, you know, moments of, of beauty and goodness that he shows them, uh, which were great consolations. Peter just wants to stay there, right? Lord, let me erect three booths, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. We don't have to go back down to the plane. We just stay up here and look at you. You know, <laughs> It's like, no, no, we're going we're to have to go back down. It's not time to erect the three booths. This isn't, that will be in heaven. So, so this, this, this vision of our Lord on Mount Tamer is a prefigurement of heaven. It's, it's, a, it's a foretaste. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. A foretaste of heaven. They're, they're going to, we in heaven will see God face to face for all eternity. And, and Peter just wanted to stay on the mountain. Well, while we're still on this earth, there's, there's work to be done. We can offer our sufferings, most especially we need to pray every day, be in union with God, and always be ready. Always be ready to um, do the Lord's will, even when it's hard. And, um, you know, even St. Paul, he said he was given a thorn in the flesh, an angel of Satan to tempt him. And three times he begged the Lord to take it away. And the Lord told him, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For in your weakness is my power brought to perfection. Because when you're weak, and that's what Paul says, he says, well, because I am weak, then I know that it's the power of Christ working through me to do good. He says, I'm not capable of doing good. And sometimes we need to learn that about ourselves. Sometimes we get um, a little self-complacent about how much good we're doing for God. And the reality is it's not we're doing good for God. It's the good that God is doing in and through us. And he can only do that if we're humble and allow ourselves to be instruments. So we want to remember the, um, you know, the, the beauty and the truth that we're called to live with God in union with God here on this earth. In a, we, we see him through a veil. We walk by faith. But in heaven, we will see him face to face. And so we have from Dionysius, um, you know, the different senses of scripture. You have the literal historical sense. This transfiguration actually happened. It's not made up. It's not a myth. Peter tells us that in his letter. Um, and then you have the um, anagogical sense. There, um, 
and that Dionysus says that it's the glory that shone around the disciples at the Mount of Transfiguration prefigures the contemplation of God in eternity when the minds of the saints will be ever lifted up from lower concerns and engulfed in the blazing light of the Trinity. So that's that means how does that what does it mean for our life and what does it mean for eternity? Well, this is this is what we're called to. We're called to contemplate God. So begin that contemplation now. Spend time in prayer every day. Spend time with our Lord. Spend time reading the scriptures, not just for knowledge. We're not just reading the scriptures for knowledge or even for apologetics to be able to win an argument. That's not the point. The point is to come to know the one who is revealed in scripture, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and most especially the Son who becomes man as our Redeemer. So, um, and he is the beloved son. God, the father declares that this is his son. How can we know that God is a father unless his son reveals that he is the son? So we have, it is Jesus Christ who comes and reveals that, that God is father, son, and Holy Spirit. He makes the Trinity known to us. In the Old Testament, they knew that God was one. And God was very insistent on that because the pagans around the Jews all worship multiple gods. But no, God is one. There's only one God. But in God, there are three divine persons. He is a community of love and life. He is the first family, as St. John Paul II put it, because in God there is fatherhood, sonship, and the essence of the family, which is love. So we have this Feast of the Transfiguration. Um, spend some time today with our Lord, thinking about these readings, praying over these readings. Uh, try and spend some time in Eucharistic adoration. Uh, the Eucharistic adoration, by the way, becomes very important for us, especially in these times. Bishop Sheen always used to tell the priests, whenever he gave a priest retreat, he would talk to the priests about making a daily holy hour. And he said, if you go home and make the daily holy hour, your time and my time here was well spent. But if you go home and you don't make the daily holy hour, your time and my time here was, was wasted. And he said, I can guarantee you, if you will not make the daily holy hour, you will eventually lose your faith, and then you will lose your priesthood. Interesting, interesting what he says. You can lose your faith before you lose the priesthood because the priesthood is a work you do. So you can lose your faith in Christ and still kind of hang on to the work that you're doing because it gives you some kind of gratification. Um, there's a return. There's a reward. But the deal is um, we need to cling to the Lord and not lose him and then in, the in 1976, at the Eucharistic Congress, Bishop Sheen said, this was just three years before he died, he said, everyone needs to make the daily holy hour. We are coming into times in the church when it will be necessary for everyone to make that daily holy hour. Now, parents with small children, it can be impossible to make a daily holy hour in church, but you can take your children to make a visit every day introduce them to the hidden Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament, and then at home, pray with them, read the scriptures to them, get picture books of the Bible stories, and then the little children can begin to develop their prayer life and begin to learn to talk to Jesus. And it's not just formal prayer. We need the formal prayer, yes. The Our Father Jesus taught it. He teaches us how to pray. So it's the model of how we should pray. But our prayer should be a conversation, a loving conversation with him who loves us. We're, we're supposed to be falling in love with God. 
He's, he loves us. He loved us into being, and he continues to love us into existence. If he forgot about us for one nanosecond, we would cease to be, and it would be as if we had never had been. It's only his loving us in this moment that keeps us in existence. So he continues to love us. So we want to return love for love. And, and in order to do that, we have to spend time with him. You know, when you love somebody, you spend time, you go out of your way to spend time with them. You know, you drive by their house and you, you know, you're attracted to somebody. You'll drive by their house just for the sake of just being a little closer to them, maybe. And, you know, the silly things that we do those as teenagers. I, my sister used to do those kind of things. And, and um, you know, I knew of other people who said they did those things. And yeah, but, but what's the reality? What are we looking? We're looking for love. Well, the first place we need to look for that love is in our relationship with God. Because the only love that can truly satisfy us is God's love for us and then us loving him in return. Because it is only in relationship to God where that complete longing to be fully known and fully loved is ever fulfilled. Because we have an infinite longing in our heart because our hearts were made for God, as St. Augustine said. So it's only in God that we will be at rest and that we'll find that full fulfillment. And that's what the Feast of the Transfiguration is about. And so um, I want to continue now with the Bible study, and we want to go on to um, Sunday's reading from this past Sunday. It's, we're in the 18th week of Ordinary Time. I know it's Thursday. The week is almost over, but you know what? Take another look. Uh, renew that reading. What was the reading about? What was the Lord asking us to think about and ponder about as we were going through the week? And again, some beautiful, beautiful reflections from the church uh, out of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Um, regarding these readings for Sunday, the Sunday, the um, 18th week in ordinary time, spiritual progress tends toward ever more intimate union with Christ. This union is called mystical because it participates in the mystery of Christ through the sacraments, the holy mysteries, and in him, in the mystery of the Holy Trinity. God calls us all to this intimate union with him, even if the special graces or extraordinary signs of this mystical life are granted only to some for the sake of manifesting the gratuitous gift given to all. What's the church referring there? Some people think that being a mystic means I'm going to have visions or I'm going to have locutions or I'm going to be able to um, uh, bilocate or work miracles or cure people or no no <laughs> yeah god gives those charisms to certain people for the good of the church and to manifest that in heaven we will all have this complete union with god and and god will be all in all and there will be no more obstacles to his grace and we will be completely transformed from glory into glory in heaven but that's not what the essence of the mystic is the essence of a mystic is to live in union with God. What does it mean to be a saint? I remember when I was in college and I was talking to a priest and I said, well, I know I'm called to be a saint. And the priest said, well, what does it mean to be a saint? And I thought, I don't know. Um, you know, I had actually thought that you imitate the saints. You do what they did. You say the prayers they said, you know. Well, you know, some saints we can't imitate. I, I'm a wife and mother. It's not for me to go imitate St. Therese of Lisieux in her cloister because I'm not a cloistered nun. So I do the duties of my state in life in union with God. 
And we'll talk more about this on the other side of the break, this living in union with God moment by moment in the duties of our state and life. Thank you for listening to Bibles with the Barbers, and I hope you tell your friends and and, uh, neighbors and anybody who wants a Bible study to tune in to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio every Thursday morning. Hi, this is Jesse Romero from the Terry and Jesse Show, also from Jesus 911. Let's face it, we all need to use the internet, but we need screen accountability. Why? Pornography is a huge problem, especially on the internet. And every time we tap into the internet, we get bombarded with images and temptations that degrade our humanity. So we need Covenant Eye to block these pornographic sites and advertisements from infiltrating our lives. Covenant Eyes helps us take custody of our eyes and custody of our intellect. So I recommend you go to CovenantEyes.com and type in the promo code, the NPR, to support the network. Protect yourself and your family from the eminent threats on the Internet. www.CovenantEyes.com Code VMPR Live Porn Free. Thank you for listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you. God bless you. Keep the faith. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And here's an easy way to support us by going to smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center or Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And when you log in your Amazon account and you purchase products, a portion of it will go right back in supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And it doesn't cost you a dime. I want to thank you ahead of time because that supports us year-round. May God bless you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. I wasn't able to make it into the studio today, so um, I'm recording this without him. But um, remember the Feast of the Transfiguration today, August 6th. And beautiful feast. Spend some time with our Lord um, thanking him for revealing his glory. So we have um, the first reading from Sunday's Mass was from the prophet Isaiah. And what does the Lord say to us? He said, all who are thirsty, come to the water. You who have no money, come receive grain and eat. Come without paying or without cost. Drink wine and milk. Why spend your money for what is not bread? Your wages for what fails to satisfy. Heed me and you shall eat well. You shall delight in rich fare. Come to me heedfully. Listen that you may have life. 
I will renew with you the everlasting covenant, the benefits assured to David. So God is telling us to come to him. Now, this isn't just once in a while. This is continuously, moment by moment, every day. It's called living in the presence of God, practicing the presence of God. And by the way, this is the foundation of the spiritual life. You begin the spiritual life when you start trying to exercise dominion over your mind. Over When we dominion, exercise that dominion over our mind, to be constantly aware of the fact that God is present to us at every moment. And we try to be present to him. Lord, everything I do today, I want to do through, with, and in you and in your presence. I want to make sure I'm not doing anything that would offend you. Um, so I want to be aware of your presence every moment of every day so that I know you're with me. And we don't need to earn God's love. We couldn't possibly do it. By the way, God gives his love freely. He created us out of love. He had no need to create anything. And yet he creates. He does it freely out of love because he is love. And love is diffusive. He desires to share himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they long to share themselves with us. This is amazing. This is an incredible dogma of the faith that God wants to live in union with his creature. He will draw his creature into his own life. And so this is what we're learning from the prophet Isaiah. And he gives free of charge. It's ours for the asking. Just ask. By the way, faith is a gift. If you want the gift of faith, ask the Lord for it. And every day ask him to increase that faith. So we live moment by moment in the presence of God, being faithful to the duties of our state in life. So each one of us is called, though, to this union with God, this mystical life. Yes, we are called to live on this earth as if we have no finality on this earth. We are called to live on this earth with our eyes fixed there where true joys are. That is heaven, where God is. What is heaven? St. Elizabeth of the Trinity said, I have found my heaven on earth, for heaven is where God is, and he is in my heart. You see, God lives in us by grace. So, and St. Francis de Sales says, we can't infallibly know if we're in the state of grace, but we can infallibly know if we desire to be. And if we persevere in desiring to be in the state of grace, infallibly God will put us in the state of grace. You see, God reads the desires of our hearts. Lord, I long for union with you. I long to do your will, O Lord. Hallow your name in me. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. Keep me faithful to you. Grant me the grace of final perseverance. Moment by moment, day by day. That's why we make the morning offering in the morning. And in the evening, we stop and examine the day and say, Okay, Lord, I offer you everything of this day again. Through Mary's hands and through the heart of St. Joseph. So... Jesus is, by the way, every word of scripture speaks to us of Jesus because Jesus is the second person of the Blessed Trinity who became man. He is our Savior. And the scripture is telling us, yeah, come to me. Come to me. You know, why are you spending your money for bread that fails? For what is not bread? For what's going to fail you? It's not going to satisfy you. The things of this earth can never satisfy the longing of our heart because we were made for union with God. That doesn't mean we don't use the things of this earth, but we only use them insofar as they help us get closer to God. And if we notice that some created thing or some creature is taking us away from God, encouraging us not to follow God's law, 
we need to either change the relationship or break it off. All right, and this happens oftentimes. We get involved with someone romantically and people are led away from God because their feelings take over. And instead of thinking anymore, instead of living by their free will and their intellect and choosing God, they're choosing a creature before him. So we need to be careful. And we can do this in any aspect of, you know, creatures, creature comforts, whatever, they, they can get in the way. Now, in the letter to the Romans for Sunday, Paul tells us, he asked the question, what will separate us from the love of Christ? And then he goes through this whole list. Will anguish, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, the sword? And do we have our, our share of these right now? Now, for some people, they actually are going under the sword. There's a lot of Christians who are being actually persecuted to the point of death. China, in Muslim countries, in Africa, um, People are suffering for their faith to the point of death. They're dying martyrs. Okay, the, the blood of martyrs is still flowing in our world. But what about the kind of martyrdom we're going through? Distress, persecution. We haven't gotten to famine and nakedness yet, but there is a great peril. Right now in our nation, we have voluntarily given up our freedom. And the worst of it is we've voluntarily given up our freedom to worship God publicly. A freedom that's guaranteed in our law, it's enshrined in the, in the very founding of our country that we will worship God publicly. The public worship of God is enshrined in our, you know, and we've freely given it up out of fear. Fear of what? I might die. I hope you're all sitting down. Um, you know, if you're driving a car, you might want to pull over for a second here and just take a deep breath. I have something I need to tell you. We're all going to die. None of us gets out of it alive. All of us are terminal. We just don't know when, you know? This virus is a virus. By the way, it's a flu virus. And it's been treated before. And if you look at all the scientific evidence back in 2005, back in 2015, Dr. Fauci was publishing things that said, yeah, uh, chloroquine, hydroxychloroquine are very effective in treating SARS and in, in, in treating COVID-2. Uh, this new virus is just SARS and COVID-2 put together in a lab. So yeah, hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine, and that's not mine. I, go back and look up the research, look up the magazines that Dr. Fauci published in. He said, yeah, it was effective. Um, I don't know why they're saying something different now. You know, at one point they did do a study with uh, hydroxychloroquine and they had some people die. But but what they were giving people when you take hydroxychloroquine, some doctors explained you take like two milligrams twice a week or, or every other week. I can't remember exactly. Check with a doctor. But they were giving people 25 milligrams a day. They were giving a massive doses. And when you start, it's like any medicine. You give someone too much medicine, you can hurt them. You know, just, just an example, I'm on thyroid medicine because of Hashimoto's disease. Hashimoto's disease means that I have autoimmune thyroiditis. My immune system attacks my thyroid every single day. So I take a thyroid pill. If I take too much of that, if I get too much of that thyroxine or levothyroxine in my system, it's going to cause heart palpitations, it causes sweats, it can cause me trouble. Okay, so yeah, you don't overdose a patient. And that's why they, they abandoned that one study on hydroxychloroquine because they were giving massive doses and they were killing people. 
Well, you don't need to give massive doses, you know. Just give the little bit that helps. But anyway, so what are we afraid of? People, we're all going to die someday. Every one of us. Every one of us is going to die someday. You know, it's okay. It's beautiful. It's good. Jesus Christ redeemed the meaning of death. Yes, death came as an intrusion. Sin came as an intrusion. Suffering came as an intrusion. As John Paul II says in his you know, Theology of the Body and explaining things how they were in the beginning in the garden and we had the preternatural gifts and everything was wonderful and we could talk to God you know, in, in familiar conversation and, and all of our body was completely subject to our intellect which clearly saw that God was the true good we needed to choose and our will freely chose God because our intellect clearly saw it. And now we're all afraid of dying. Well, honey, we're going to die. Are we ready to die? Have we prepared? You know, it's funny. I, I don't often see movies, but every once in a while, and when our oldest daughter was about 11, her class went to see a movie. And in the movie, there was a line. The movie was called Tuck Everlasting. But in the movie, there was this line. And, and the father of this family tells a young girl that had met the family, she sa he says to her, do not be afraid of dying. Be afraid of not living life to the full. And right now, we are not living life to the full. We've allowed ourselves to be locked down. We're afraid to worship in public. We're afraid to help our neighbors. We're afraid to visit the sick. We're supposed to be doing all of these things. And we're afraid of what? And there's another one, that the song, The Rose. Remember the song, The Rose? The soul afraid of dying will never learn to live. We have to be able to die, to live, die to ourselves. And it's amazing. You know, God is good. He loves us. He's with us. We are all going to die someday. Many people have gotten this disease. And yeah, there's, there's a spike in the number of cases. Well, because they're testing way more people. So you have way more people being tested. So you're going to have a spike in the number of cases. In addition to that, you had all of these public protests you know, where people were out in the streets and that's the spike in the number of cases is, is occurring in that age group where, of the people who were out there protesting. And by the way, there's no spike in the number of deaths. It's just the number of cases. It's okay. It's like the flu, you know, every year. And it is a flu. But are we afraid of dying? Well, we can't get to heaven if we don't die. You know, we have to go through that death. And so the, the first thing to do is to die to ourselves every day, to live in union with God, to pray. We don't need to be afraid of any creature. No creature can separate us from the love of Christ. And that's P Paul's point. But there's one thing that can. And I'll talk about that a little bit on the other side of this break. And we'll finish up with the gospel. And this hour is just going way too fast. I just have too much to say. On Tuesday evenings, I do have Bible study here at the chapel. You're welcome. But have people tune in on Thursday morning if they can't come to Bible with the Barbers. If they want a Bible study every week, we're going to try and be here as long as God allows to give praise to the glory of his name and study his holy word. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, St. Paul says, So there abide faith, hope, and love, these three. 
According to St. Ignatius of Antioch, faith is the beginning and love is the end. And God is the two of them brought into unity. Then comes everything else that makes up a Christian. May God grant that we may attain all the virtues that make for authentic followers of His Son. How does the baby eat? Can the baby hear me? How did the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions, but what's important is that a baby is a baby inside and out of the womb, not just after birth, but nine months before, at conception. That's right, every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kuharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the key word pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-Life Across America. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Or if you have a question or comment, thank you, Matthew, you could email us and ask the question on the app. So we have this reality that no created thing can separate us from God. Well, then what could separate us? Well, what could separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord? Sin ourselves our own will you see god made us out of love he is love he wants us to love so he gives us free will and there are a lot of young people out there who say things like well you know god made sin and god made abortion because they're out there no actually god didn't make them you see sin is not a creation sin is the rejection of goodness it's the rejection of god all wrongdoing is sin what is wrongdoing Whenever we choose a created good over God, it's wrong because God must be first. He must always be the first choice we make. Now, it's not always a mortal sin. It doesn't have to be a mortal sin, but it's only sin that only sin or only mortal sin can totally separate us from God. Okay. But when we commit venial sins and we don't weed them out of our lives and don't strive against them, it becomes real easy to commit mortal sins. So, We have to know that God's love for us is so powerful that if we just turn to him and ask for the help we need, he will always be there to make sure that to help us with the grace we need to make the right choices. But it is our will. He's not going to violate our free will. And no, he didn't create abortion. He didn't create murder. He didn't create all these sins. And by the way, you know, 
all these sins didn't start with with racial um, upheaval. The sin started when Adam and Eve, the only two people on earth, sinned. And immediately they were at war with each other, weren't they? Adam says, oh, Lord, it was the woman, the woman that you put here with me. And Eve's like, oh, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. It was the serpent. It was the serpent, you know, not me. And right away, man and woman are estranged from one another. It is sin that tears us apart and estranges us from one another. So are we ever going to get to this gospel, Mary Barber? Well, yeah, we want to do that. Matthew 14, 13 to 21. I won't read the whole thing. But it's the, the story of the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes, okay? Um, when Jesus had heard of John the Baptist's death, he withdrew to a deserted place by himself. But the crowds heard about it. They followed him. And they come. And Jesus is moved. He speaks to them. And he tells his apostles, this is a deserted place. You know, what do you have to eat? And they're like, five barley loaves and two fish. I mean, how can we feed so many people? And Jesus says to bring them to him, he blesses them and he breaks them and he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the crowd. And he feeds the crowd and the crowd was 5,000 men. Now that didn't count women and children. So we say the feeding of the 5,000, but actually 5,000 men were fed. There were more than 5,000 people in that crowd. Jesus fed a multitude on five loaves and two fish. And no, this wasn't a miracle of generosity. Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fishes. But what is this a prefigurement of? What do we realize that this points to? We realize that this points to the Eucharist. And how do we know that it absolutely points to the Eucharist? Well, Matthew in his telling of this tells us that Jesus blessed, broke, and gave. And he uses those exact same three verbs when he talks about Jesus instituting the Eucharist at the Last Supper. When you see that in Scripture, it's the author deliberately tying two things together. The apostles understood, not at the time, but afterwards, that Yes, this feeding with the loaves and the fishes was the prefigurement of the Eucharist, that Christ would feed us, but not just with earthly bread. In the Our Father, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread. The word, the Greek word used there is not just, just the bread that we eat that sustains our body. Our super substantial bread, our spiritual bread, daily. So we're supposed to receive Jesus in the Eucharist. And the church teaches us in Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1394, as bodily nourishment restores lost strength, so the Eucharist strengthens our charity, which tends to be weakened in daily life. And this living charity wipes away venial sin. So the living charity we receive in the Eucharist is Christ himself. And he wipes away all venial sins. We can have our venial sins committed. Excuse me, forgiven, forgiven. <laughs> when we receive Jesus in the Eucharist. We can have our venial sins forgiven when we make the sign of the cross with holy water. As a matter of fact, there's a little prayer. By this holy water, Lord Jesus, and by your sacred passion, cleanse me from all of my sins and from all attachment to sin 
and renew in me the grace of my baptism. Mortal sins we have to confess in the confessional. Um, if, if you really can't get to confession, you make a good act of contrition, and, um, but, but make an appointment. Try to make a perfect, you have to make a perfect act of contrition to have a mortal sin forgiven. And the problem is that in order to make a perfect act of contrition, you have to be in the state of grace. And when you're in mortal sin, you're not in the state of grace. Ask. Just keep asking, okay? Repentance is the back door to heaven, somebody, one of the saints once said. You know, the, 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 the depth of our repentance is, is um, when you sin, for instance, if you commit a mortal sin, you lose everything. All the merits that you had gained, all the graces, you boom, you fall. You've fallen off the ladder to heaven. And, and now you have to get back. Where will you be restored? Do you have to start all over from the beginning? It depends on the intensity and the, and the sincerity of your contrition. So ask God for that intense and sincere contrition, intense and sincere contrition, so that when your mortal sin is forgiven, you're restored maybe even to a higher place than you were before you committed. But please, God, keep us from mortal sin. But if we have the misfortune of falling into mortal sin, Lord, give us the grace to go to confession. Absolutely now. <laughs> make an appointment. Go. Absolutely as soon as possible. And if you have to make an appointment with the priest, call him and make an appointment. So Jesus feeds the multitude. And this feeding of the multitude represents the Eucharist. And it's not. And, and again, they, they were all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up the fragments left over. Twelve wicker baskets full. They had five loaves and two fish. He gave more than enough and not, so that nothing was lost. They picked up the baskets full. It's a sign of the Eucharist. Yes, it's a real historical event that really happened in the life of Christ, and it's told in all the Gospels, the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes. And in his love for us, God gives us everything. But where is our focus? St. Paul told us that no created thing can come between us and God. But are we even looking at God? Or are we looking at all the created things? You know, it's like at the foot of the cross. Was our blessed mother looking at Jesus? Or was she looking at the Roman soldiers? Was she thinking about the apostles who weren't there? Was she looking at the Jewish leaders who were mocking him? Or the other people who were mocking him and making fun of him? She was looking at our Lord, okay? And that's what we need to do. Peter, you know, in, that, in the incident where the, they're on the, the lake and Jesus comes walking to them on the water, Peter says, well, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. Come, Peter. It's really the Lord. He's really walking on water. Peter says, you know, and then all of a sudden Peter's like, wow, this is really cool. I'm walking on the water. He said, what am I doing walking on the water? Look at the wind and the waves. And all of a sudden he starts to sink. And this is it. We're in this turmoil. We're in this confusion. We're in this darkness. Keep our eyes fixed there on the light as, as on the Feast of the Transfiguration, today's feast. What did Peter say? Keep your eyes fixed on it as you would on a lamp shining in a dark place. So we keep our eyes fixed on Christ as we would on a lamp shining in a dark place. And then we will be able to stay steady if our eyes are fixed on Christ. Jesus first. Go to Jesus first. Look at him and say, Lord, okay, these are the problems that weigh me down. 
These are the circumstances in my life that need rectifying. And the biggest circumstance in my life that needs rectifying, Lord, is I need to trust you. I need to believe that you're going to overcome all the evils of this world and that you're not going to let me fall into mortal sin if I if I sincerely ask you every day and I sincerely avoid the near occasion of sin and frequently and regularly confess my sins. I keep striving that if I keep striving, you are faithful and you will keep your promise. But are we looking at the world? You know, are we listening to the experts? And I've heard people talk about this, the experts. Well, listen to what the experts say. Dr. Fauci has already contradicted himself. You know, in 2015, he was saying that, yeah, the chloroquine definitely is a cure for SARS and for cov 2 Well, if you put the two together, doesn't it still cure them? Maybe not. Maybe it's a new, you know, we got a flu now that we can't cure. Except that thousands of doctors have had the experience that using hydroxychloroquine cures people. If they use it early and they do warn this, you know, this disease is not a, it's not a pretty disease. If it's not treated right away, if you get sick, don't wait. You know, it's like, you know, some doctors have mentioned that people are avoiding other, other things that they need to take care of. This one guy, he got a, a per, he has Crohn's disease and he is, is um, intestines perforated and he waited a week to go to the doctor. There was another di- guy who was, you know, he wasn't feeling well and he just kept waiting. He had a heart attack on a Tuesday. He waited to go, well, I'm afraid of getting COVID. You're afraid of getting COVID. You could die from the heart attack and its effects. You're afraid of getting COVID. You have a perforated um, uh, intestine. You can die from the infection. You know, COVID isn't the only, COVID, as a matter of fact, it's not that big of a killer. 99. 7% of the people who get it get better. Now, I might be wrong on that number. Maybe it's 0.7% of the people who get it die. But the point is over 99% of the people who get the disease are cured of it. So, but, but if we're looking at the circumstances and the grounds people, Our Lady didn't look at the grounds people at the foot of the cross. She looked at Christ. And this is what we need to do. Keep our focus on Christ. Jesus Christ is first. We serve the Lord first. And by the way, we need to beg the governor to stop closing our churches. This is religious persecution. To say that we can't worship God? Absolutely not. We can worship God publicly and safely. As a matter of fact, the Department of California, the California Department of Health, has a, go on there and read who has to wear the mask and who doesn't. There are people who are exempt from wearing the mask. By the way, if you're exercising outside, running, riding a bike, walking, you don't have to wear a mask. As a matter of fact, it's dangerous for you to do so. If you have a breathing problem, if the mask causes you anxiety, if you have a, a mental condition where wearing the mask is, is um, causing you to have panic attacks, you don't have to wear the mask. You know, there are lots of circumstances under which you don't have to wear the mask. So when you're outside and you're keeping proper social distance, you don't have to wear the mask. I'm not making this up. Look on the California Department of Health website. Guidelines for wearing masks. Inform ourselves about what's going on. Learn the truth. The truth will set us free. God made us for love, and he made us for the truth. We need to pray for the triumph of the truth in these times. Jesus Christ feeds us with his own body and blood in the Eucharist. The multiplication of the loaves, all of his miracles were there to show us as a proof to us 
I can take care of all your needs, your bodily needs, but are you willing to ask me for the needs of your soul? And we're being locked out of our churches. And people who, who were going to mass before COVID aren't coming back. We need to wake up and come back. We need to come back to God. We need to start praying. We need to stop living in fear and start living in the freedom of the children of God. This is what we're called to. We're called to live in love. And by the way, love calls us to serve our neighbor, even if it means that we might get sick and die because we served them. Many saints got sick and died serving the poor and the sick. It's okay. We're all going to die. It's okay. We're all going to die. It's okay. It really is. But be ready. Lord, if I'm not in the state of grace, put me in the state of grace. And if I'm in the state of grace, keep me in the state of grace. And grant me the grace of final perseverance. And Lord, please take away the fear. Help me to live in the freedom that you won for me. It's not created things that interfere with my getting close to you, Lord. It's my own fears. It's my own will that I have set on the things of this world. I'm looking for pleasure and comfort and ease. And I just want a comfortable life. And I just want my TV programs and my entertainment and my sports. And I don't want to suffer. Oops. Jesus came to suffer. He didn't come to eradicate human suffering. So let's beg him for the grace to rise above our fears, to live in union with him moment by moment, day by day, and to come to him in the Eucharist. Jesus is there in the Eucharist to feed our souls, to remove our sin. Spend time with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Come to visit him. And there are churches that are open. Bishop Gomez asked that the churches be open so people could come for adoration. So I hope you're going to your parish church and asking your pastor to let you come and visit Jesus in the Eucharist. Thank you for joining us with Bible with the Barbers on this Thursday morning. I hope you join us again next Thursday and invite everybody you know and everybody you don't know, everybody you run into. Tell them there's a Bible study every week on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're all welcome to join us. For those who are local and can come to the chapel on Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m., I do a Bible study on Tuesday evenings. Thank you for listening. Keep us in prayer. And if you can support us with your donations, thank you ahead of time. And thank you for those who have offered your sufferings and your prayers for us. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great High Priest, May the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.